Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. It's uh, just awesome uh, for me to be back here at Monkham Wesleyan this morning. Um, some of you would know this, but I was on staff here uh, from 01 to 03 while I taught down the road at Bethany, now Kingswood. And then I came back on staff here in 05 and served till 07. And then I was on staff uh, 11 and 12. And now I'm just sort of sitting by the phone waiting for it to, <laughs> to ring. I have some uh, great memories of individuals here in this congregation and just great memories of the church, uh, both here and across the hall. I even have a few members, er, memories of visiting down on the corner of Maine and Archibald. Of course, I was only about this big in those days. I was actually here when... Uh, Pastor B uh, retired the first time. <laughs> we all knew he wasn't serious, didn't we? <laughs> he just went down the road uh, 40 miles and took up a whole job, and now he's uh, back here. Well, I'm, I think I'll stick around till he retires again. Thank you, for the, thank you for the invitation to come. It's been four years ago this month since I spoke here last, and I love to preach, and I love to preach here at Moncton Wesleyan. And I also, I, I love to preach from the Christmas scriptures. Uh, talking to Pastor B, he said that the special days are often a struggle for him. And I guess by the time I've been preaching as long as he had, maybe that was trying to find a fresh angle on the old Christmas story. But I love to preach the Christmas scriptures. And so I've been, I have longer to prepare than usual because I'm not, I don't have a weekly preaching appointment. So I've been work, plugging away at this one for a month. It must be good to work that long on one sermon. You know, there's always something new that you can learn about uh, the, the Christmas story. And I, I learned this this week. Did you know that the, that the Christ child weighed in at seven pounds, six ounces? Bet you didn't know that. Didn't know it, did you? You may say, well... Come on, Pastor John, how could you possibly know that? Well, Mary and Joseph had a way in the manger. Oh, oh I re this is the same crowd. I remember you. It's tough, you know, when you, when you find good material like that and, and share it and you get a groan like that, it's just a bummer to, to do that. Delighted to share the word with you this morning. Let's speak to the Father before we then look to the word. Father, open, open not only our minds to understand, but our hearts to receive the truth. And may we be of a mind to say yes to whatever you might say to us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you heard of... Pearly the Magician. Well, if you were a Fredericktonian, you would know the name uh, Pearly the Magician. Uh, Pearly and I went to school together as kids, and uh, when he grew up, he became a grocer. But about 30 years ago, he, he started a hobby of doing magic tricks. He would perform these tricks for children when they came into the grocery store way, where he worked. And the manager didn't mind because people came to that store because Pearly the Magician would always be 
around and it drew customers in. Well, he got better and better at this hobby until in late years, he's become quite a popular entertainer at the city market. Tuesday nights from 5 to 7, we'll find him doing his thing at a local restaurant. He's popular at kids' birthday parties and uh, staff parties. And actually, the city of Fredericton has an annual Pearly Palmer Day. And in spite of battling these days stage 4 cancer, he continues to entertain Fredericton audiences and audiences around the province. Back in 2009, when I was pastoring Corbett Avenue Wesleyan Church on the north side in Fredericton, we had him come to our church board Christmas party. And what a hoot that was. It, it, was, it was entertaining, it was humorous, and it was mesmerizing. Trick after trick left us scratching our heads, and from the audience came comments like, ooh, impossible. We heard that often. One of our party, his head is still spinning about how a missing toonie ended up under his watch. Impossible, we all said. The most mind-boggling trick for me was the $20 bill that he borrowed from one of our party, and in front of our very eyes, he folded the $20 bill up, and then, while we were still watching, he unfolded it, and it was a $100 bill. I'd like to master that trick, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> it seems that these days, I can go into a grocery store with a $100 bill and come out with two small bags, and they've changed my $100 bill into a $20 bill. All through... All through the evening, as Pearlie did his thing, we were continuously saying things like, oh, come on, that's impossible. Come with me now. Christmas story, Luke in chapter 1. The verses will appear in front of you. Third book of the New Testament, Luke, chapter 1 and verse 26. Here's what we read. In the sixth months, month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. You know, there were some people that would hear just that much and say, God sent an angel. <laughs> Come on now, an angel, angels, elves, hobbits, uh, fairies, you know, all the same thing, right? Well, we read on, and it says, She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And some would hear that much and say, come on, a king born to a peasant woman? That doesn't happen. Impossible. Verse 33, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. 
And some would hear the word, come on, never end, everything ends. The Roman Empire lasted 500 years, but never end, come on, that's impossible. Back in the 1930s and 40s, the Nazis said that the Third Reich would last 1,000 years, and it lasted just 12 years. Come on, never end, impossible. And then at this point, even Mary gets into the impossible thing. Hear what she says. Now we're in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Even Mary now is saying, come on, this is all impossible. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Many in our culture today hear the expression of virgin birth and say, oh, come on, impossible, can't happen, doesn't happen. And then the angel goes on in verse 36, and basically the angel is saying here, impossible, you say? Verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now in her sixth month, She's in her sixth month, and here are the key words of the whole text here this morning, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true, and the impossible happen. A song written by the Gaithers tries to express how unlikely, how unbelievable how mesmerizing, and how impossible it all was. Here are the words that they pen. See the virgin is delivered in a cold and crowded stall. Mare of the Father's glory lies beside her in the straw. He is mercy incarnation. Marvel at this miracle, for the virgin gently holds the glorious impossible. And with the birth of the Christ child, a long list of impossibles not only become possibles, but become actuals. Look at just a few in the life of Christ. Impossible number one, when Jesus left his father's carpenter shop and began his public ministry, his very first miracle was to show up at a wedding where they ran out of wine and he changed water into wine. That doesn't happen, impossible. He touched blind eyes, blind since birth, and they could see. He touched twisted and broken legs, and they walked again. He fed 5,000 plus from a little boy's lunch. Impossible. Probably the most obvious impossible is that the little boy gave up his lunch. <laughs> he, meant a, he meant a funeral procession near the town of Nain, and thus the idea for the walking dead, the first walking dead man. Jealous religious leaders turned the tide of public opinion against him, and they crucified him, and he died. But the grave couldn't hold him. And in the misty dawn of that first Easter day, the stone was rolled away from the tomb, and the glorious impossible happened. He came out alive. Impossible, you say? Nothing is impossible with God. So for a few minutes now, I want you to take, to come back with me to the scripture we just read and notice some impossibles 
that are now possible for you and for me. There are three of them. Here's the first. Here's the first. You are highly favored by God. Did you hear that? You. You are highly favored by God. I'm sure some would sit here this morning and say, you don't know all that I have done. You don't know about me. Impossible, you say. It's not only possible, it's true. And I take you to our story, verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I like the way the New International Version puts this. It translated this way. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, I'm sure some are here this morning thinking, Whoa, whoa, hold on, Pastor John. Those words were written to a very special lady. They were spoken to the Virgin Mary, and she was highly favored. And yes, I agree with you. She was chosen to give birth to the Christ, the Messiah. She was chosen to, be, to do a special task, a task that none of you women would ever be asked to do. And you men couldn't do it if you wanted but listen to me this morning. You are no less favored. You know, some people would read those words, you are highly favored, spoken to Mary, and they would suggest that the, that the expression highly favored would mean that, well, if she was highly favored, some people must be less favored, and then there would be other persons who would be slightly favored, and then there would be still others who are not favored. Hear me this morning. No, no, no. Favor is another word for grace, and God's grace is God's undeserved favor, dispensed to all who would receive it equally and freely. Don't you see, I speak to you this morning when I say, those of you, you, God's highly favored. God can favor without having a favorite. He can do that. Highly favored. Someone here this morning needs to hear that. Some, someone here, I'm sure, considers themselves the black sheep of your family. In answer to a question on one occasion to Jesus, in answer to the question, what is God like? He told the story of the shepherd who had 99 white sheep in the fold. And he left the 99 white sheep in the fold and went looking for the one black sheep. You are highly favored. Someone here, perhaps this morning, maybe you think that you are out of favor because of some repetitive, habitual disobedience to God over time. And I say to you this morning, you, you are highly favored. Why do you think God's favor God's grace is called amazing. Someone here perhaps thinks that they are beyond the reach of God's favor. Hear me this morning when I say it. No, no, you are highly favored. A while back I was watching uh, the movie Road to Perdition, starring Tom Hanks and Paul Newman. Newman plays mobster boss John Rooney, and Hanks is his loyal henchman and gunman, Michael Sullivan. In one gripping scene in a church basement, and they're hiding in a church, that's where they're choosing to meet in a church basement because no one would think of looking for them there, and they're, they're hiding from 
other mobsters who, who hate them, and they're hiding from the law who is hunting them, and they're reflecting on the life they have chosen, a life of crime, a life of extortion and prostitution rings, hired killings, ruthless murders, says Rooney, Newman's character. This is the life we chose, the life we lead, and there is only one guarantee none of us will ever see heaven. Now, I have one of those Jigamirandi TV remotes that you can even pause when you're watching live TV. Isn't that amazing? How can you pause when you're watching live TV? Anyway, I, I was so struck by that statement to the heart that I paused it and, and rewound it and listened to it again. And it, and it literally struck me to the heart. I wanted to object. Well, who could I object to? I'm in the room alone. And then... Why would I object? I mean, it's only a story. Uh, and, and so, but I wanted to declare to someone on the authority of the book, the Bible, hear me this morning, no one is beyond redemption. No one. No one has gone beyond the place where it's possible to come on back. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, put it so simply when he said, God showed his great love, meaning his high favor, for us after we cleaned up our act. No, that's not what it says. The Scripture says, but God showed his great love, his high favor for us, sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We didn't deserve his high favor and yet, while we were still rebels, while we were still rebels, he favored us. You can't earn it. It seems impossible, doesn't it? Could that really be? Is it true? I need to say this to you because some think otherwise. Mary didn't earn the high favor that she received from God. She didn't earn it. Those words were spoken to Mary while she was still confused and, and still disturbed and couldn't believe, are you hearing these words? She was highly favored when she was still in a state of she could not believe that it could possibly be her who could mother the Christ child. She was highly favored. You are highly favored. Would you grab onto that simple truth? You are highly favored. Say it this morning. I am highly favored. Say it out loud. I am highly favored. Saying it is one thing. Believing is another. Do you believe this simple truth? I have a pastor friend who's, I guess you could say he's metaphorically challenged. And when he preaches and uses metaphors, he gets them all mixed up. And he, if he's trying to make something simple, he would say something. Now, this is simple. This, this isn't rocket surgery, he would say. Okay? You are highly favored. That's number one. Say it. I am highly favored. Here's the second. You can change. You can change. You can be different than you are. You can, you can defeat that habit that has you bound. You can, you can be free of that addiction that you can't escape. You can get away from that temptation that comes back to you again, again, and wins again and again. You can change. You have a critical spirit. You can change. You've always been a pessimist. 
you can change. You have a tendency to doubt, you can change. You have a secret sin, you can change. I believe it was Will Rogers who said on one occasion, people change, but not much. And we all smile. Come on. And most of us say, well, now, isn't that the truth? And who in this room has not at least one time said about someone, oh, <laughs> he'll never change. He's always been that way, and he always Bill will be that way. And his dad was just like him. He'll never change. Christian people are sometimes guilty of saying such, may I call it that, heresy. And by, hear, hear this now, hear this Christian brother and sister, and by our lack of faith in people's ability to change, we become a significant factor in assuring that they never will. You can change. Now I take you to the Scripture support for this. Upon hearing the angel Gabriel's greeting, you are highly favored, Mary, it says, was confused and disturbed, afraid. When told she would give birth to the Messiah, although a virgin, she, as we mentioned a minute ago, she couldn't believe it. And she, then she was told, however, in verse 35, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and she realized that he, the Holy Spirit, would be the one that would change her, and he did. And then in verse 38, look what we read about her. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She was changed. You will have a son, Jesus, the angel said to her. Now, all of you have heard an expression that goes something like this. He came to live with us so that we could one day go live with him. Now, that's true. That contains really the essence of the gospel. But listen, listen to me this morning. The Father has more in mind than just to take us all to heaven one day. He became like us so we could become like Him. He did. He's in the business of doing makeovers. He wants to make us like Himself. Over these next three weeks, one of the things we'll do at our home is watch Christmas movies. I think I own 17 of them. And I'll, I'll watch at least one version, and so will you, of, of the much done and redone A Christmas Carol based on the book by the same name by Charles Dickens. And I'm sure every person in this room is familiar with the storyline. We all know and love the familiar story. It's the story of the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge. A man who was radically changed. Scrooge, a miserly, heartless man who thrives on the despair of others. No pity for the unfortunate. His, his heartless tirade at the gentleman who came to his door collecting from the poor is a damning indictment of his character. On being told that if we don't help the poor, they will die. Some of you remember his familiar Response, if they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. But we all know the story, and we love the story. We love stories of people. Don't we love stories of people who are, who are changed, stories of people who are transformed? Scrooge 
in every version of the movie, becomes a changed man, kind and generous and, and loving, and a, and a second father to the children of his employee, Bob Cratchit. But most of you are sitting there thinking, yes, but once again, it's just a story. It doesn't really happen, but oh yes, it does. Oh yes, it does happen. Every person who, like Mary in this story, would respond and say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you want to do in me come true. Every person who will do that, it can happen. It's possible. It, be can, it can become an actual. You can change. Now there's one more thing, one more possible, one more possible impossible, and here it is. You can handle whatever life hands you. You can handle whatever life hands you. And I take you back again to verse 35 where it says, spoken to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Did you know that that's a foreshadow of the experience of every believer today? The Holy Spirit lives in every believer. If you are a believer, if you've invited Christ into your life, He comes in by His Holy Spirit. And as we cooperate, He transforms and empowers us, not so much preventing or deflecting life's storms. That's what we would prefer. Not so much deflecting or preventing life's storms, and not so much that as enabling us to handle whatever life brings us. Think of Mary. Think on this now. Highly favored Mary. And let's move ahead 33 years. And there she stands at the foot of the cross. Highly favored Mary, standing at the foot of the cross. You know the scene. There she stands, and the precious infant that she birthed all those years ago, the Messiah, now hangs on a cross dying. All the joy of that first Christmas now would be a dim memory. Do you suppose, do you think for a minute that Mary, Mary was at the foot of the cross according to the gospel writers and disciple John, the remaining, the only disciple that hadn't headed for the hills, standing beside her? Do you think that Mary might have turned to him and said, and I thought I was highly favored? No, I don't think so. You? Highly favored? And here her son at 33 is hanging on a cross. You see, way back that first Christmas, often when the Christmas story is read, we don't read quite far enough. This, is, this verse is at the end of the Christmas story of the shepherds. When the shepherds returned from their visit to the stable, Luke tells us that Mary treasured all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And I believe that one of the things that she no doubt thought about was Isaiah's words about the coming Messiah, words written 600 years before the Christ child was born. Isaiah wrote these words. He was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And she knew way back then, when that baby was born, that she knew that life was going to handle, hand her trouble and she handled it. You can handle 
You can handle whatever life hands you. You can. Back in the year 2000, I was in my last year at Yarmouth Wesleyan Church. And one of, a key layman in the church and a leader in the church, an entrepreneur in the church, and a strong giver and a good friend suffered a devastating financial loss. The bank came and asked him for the keys to his various properties in town. He had a lobster pound, a fish plant, and business all over the place. And they came and asked him for the keys. He lost millions, somewhere past five million. I don't know when you get up to those figures. I can't imagine what that might mean. And I went to see him. I'm his pastor. And I thought, well, I ought to go see him and, and try to bring some comfort to him. And so I went. And I said, Roger, I, I don't know what to say to you, my brother. I'm so sorry. And at that point, he interrupts me, and he says, Pastor John, and he's smiling at me. He says, it's not a big deal. He says, it's just money, and I can make more of that. He said, I have my health, and I have my family, and I have my faith, and there was no more talk of his million dollars down the chute. No more talk. We had a coffee like we just fellowship like normal. You can handle whatever life hands you to. Throughout the month of October and early part of November of this year, just recent, I visited Carol regularly at the St. John Regional. She had terminal cancer. And she went to be with the Lord November the 10th, just days before she left, just days before she left. She was in great pain in agony even. And through the pain and agony, she smiled and she said this to her sister, I'm going to spend Christmas in heaven. Isn't that marvelous? You can handle whatever life hands you to. Not impossible. It's absolutely possible. It can be actual. You are highly favored. You can change. And you can handle anything that life handles you. Impossible, you say? And I take you back to the key verse. Nothing is impossible with God. Say it. Say it louder. You know what? When I reflect back all those years ago, Pearly the magician, he didn't do any magic. I didn't ask me to show him. He won't. He wouldn't tell me how he did it. But there was no magic in what Pearlie the magician. Pearlie's a believer. Everything he did, he says, it's all sleight of hand. It's all trickery. He got you looking at his right hand, and while you were looking at his right hand, his left hand was over here doing something. His, his other hand was always up. To, he played tricks on us. Hear me this morning. God does miracles today, and there's no tricks. He really, really does. He really, really does. He favors every one of us, and there's not one exception in this room or outside the room. He favors us, and he transforms us if we'll cooperate with him. He transforms us into more than we ever dreamed we could be. It's not impossible. It's absolutely possible. And he places his spirit in us, enabling us to live life to the full, no matter what a great God. What a great God.
And so I want to pray for you this morning before we conclude. Someone here this morning, well, I'm sure there's more than one someone. Someone here needs a miracle. And so I'm going to ask those of you that would like to be included in this closing prayer, I'm not trying to trick you, not trying to get you to the front. If you'd like to be included in this three-part prayer, the first call is this. I want to really believe down deep inside of me that, that God, that I really am highly favored. Someone here is saying, there are times I think God has reached his limit with me that must be discussed. I want to really believe in my heart that God highly favors me. Then in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand in place. for the, Just stand where you are for this closing prayer. Someone here had difficulty changing. You're sick of trying, maybe. And you need to stop trying. And let the Holy Spirit who lives in you change you. He can, you know, He will. And some of you are facing hardships in your life. And you don't know if you can face what's coming. And you've had difficulty facing what you've had to face. And so now there's a three-part call. Some of you need to really experience down deep in your heart that you're highly favored. Some of you need to take a hold of the truth that you can change. And some here need the strength to deal with what's ahead. And I'm going to ask just to stand in place. Would you do that? Just stand in place, and I'm going to play a closing prayer. Those of you that would like to be, one of those three calls fits you. Just stand in place where you are. We'll pray together. What a beautiful sight. Hundreds standing at your feet. Let's pray. Father, you here we stand this morning in your presence. And your Holy Spirit is here in this place in just as strong a way as you were on the scene when the angel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary and said you were highly favored. Father, there are some in this number, some in this crowd this morning that need to grasp the truth that there's nothing they could ever do to make you love them more. Some here in this number standing need to grasp the truth. There's nothing they could ever do to make you love them less. Oh God, may it down deep inside of them, they believe at this moment if they've struggled in this area. Some here this morning, change has eluded them. Maybe some have even given up and think it's never gonna happen, not for me. Oh Father, Holy Spirit of God help them to see the key is only to allow to say what Mary did whatever you want with me do have your way in my life and there's some here that are in the midst of a hard circumstance in life a difficult thing and they need your strength and they've wondered if they can stand up if they can face what's coming and they've had difficulty facing what they have faced. Oh, God, help them to see that nothing with you is impossible. All this we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's all stand.